This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. I'm Jill Ekes from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Phoenix, Arizona, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Wednesday, May 23rd, episode 1939, brought to you by Horselovers.com. Good morning, horse world. Everybody up, rise and shine. It's a new day. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Here we can go again. Oh, and away we go. Well, Jill, thank you so much for joining me. You are all the way over across the country in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, one of the most beautiful scenic places I've no, not at all. Um, <laughs> tell it, tell you've co-hosted with me before, and we had so much fun that when Glenn asked me who I wanted to use, I I said to call you again. Now, t- you yes. a lot has changed since we last talked. You have a new baby and a new horse. Uh, yes. Oh my gosh. That's right. I didn't even have my horse when I talked to you last. Yes. Or the baby, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) She was there. She was just in my belly. Yeah. So yes, she's now out of my belly and all over the place. And she's pretty much exactly like me, which, uh, her name name is Imogen. It's a little different. We went with a little ethnic Irish name, Imogen Ray Egus. And uh, she's a little spitfire. She's she's a very good baby, but she has those moments where she has like um, she'll kind of freak out and want to bite your face and then smile at you like, oh, God, I love you. And so, uh, yeah, she's very much she's very much my child. She has those moments. So I'm, I'm looking forward to all the uh, spasms that she can give me as she gets older and can talk because half the time she's yelling at something and we don't we don't know what she's saying. But we're very, very curious. So, yeah. So I have her. And I also have an off-track thoroughbred named Barack. Um, it means lightning in Hebrew, not like the president. So <laughs> I've gotten, well I'm, I'm, well, I'm in Pittsburgh. And so we've got a lot of, uh, you know, political unrest here. And so when you say Barack, you get one or one of two reactions. I'll just leave it at that. Gotcha. And uh, I say, uh, no, 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 no. He's a... Uh, he was bought by a man named Stuart Hyman up in uh, Canada. He was born in Kentucky, and uh, he gave him the name. Uh, it's actually Barack. Uh, I'm probably actually butchering that too, but it means lightning in Hebrew. So I thought that was kind of neat. But, was he but, lightning on the track? What you know? What he was a Breeders' Cup qualifier. So he's hey. won, he won a few. Yeah, he won a stakes race, um, and he raced till he was about seven. So, um, he won, he did not win back what his purchase price was. I think his purchase price was somewhere around $55,000 roughly. Um, and he won maybe about 37 and he was sold twice. So actually his first purchase price was like $55,000 and then he was sold again. And I think they paid somewhere around like 27. He's got some great breeding in his background. Um, and I think they were hoping he would become something. And, um, I mean, he did well, he, but then he wound up racing here near Pittsburgh at Mountaineer racetrack, which is where he came from. And then well, um, as a gelding that breeding and a cup of coffee will wake you up in the morning. That's about it. That's all you're going to yes, get. Ma'am. 
Yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, it sounds it sounds like things are good, and you're wanting to start eventing him. Is that correct? Because he's relatively new to you. Yes, he's new to me, but he has evented um, beginner novice. But uh, we've been struggling a little bit um, with his pushing through the hind end. Um, we've gotten a lot of training, gotten a lot further on the flat, but he's just not giving that extra ten percent. So we're uh, kind of going through that phase where we're looking at something medical. We've done, I've got Omega Alpha on board for him for supplements and everything else supplement wise. And I'm lighting money on fire on a regular basis. <laughs> Welcome to horse ownership. <laughs> I know. Dang it. You guys left that part. I was like, just like how much you're going to light on fire. But see, I've been doing this show, Jill, for gosh, seven or eight years. And every time you, you like you guys, all, all you people listening, you hear us talk about this supplement or this product. And you're like, every once in a while you go out and buy one. Well, I like, I buy them all. So I have like eight <laughs> years of, I'm like, oh my God, I need that for my horse, you know, and, and oh. li- my horse is a Mustang at this point and he just needs nothing. And I'm like, oh my God, I need those back <laughs> on track. Quick wraps up for his front yes. like, Yeah, whatever. Okay. So whatever it is, I buy it. I'm, and then you'll see later on when we do the horselovers.com commercial, you'll okay. go to horse lovers and you'll to, nope. to do the commercial. You have to go to the website and then you're like, Oh my God, I need that. And so Wednesday's, I need nothing else. <laughs> Wednesdays cost me a lot of money. Well, Hey, let's thank you so much for, for coming on and filling in for Glenn Absolutely. while he's somewhere in, I don't know, Antarctica. Uh, yeah. But let's hear from Jemmy. Good morning, Jemmy. Good morning. And I just have to say, I got a picture of uh, the view in Alaska. I already hate, I hate them both. They're, I hate them both. <laughs> so mad. <laughs> I'm not with them. <laughs> Ugh, well, but anyways, all right. I suppose they've earned it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> on today's show, Dr. Brian Waldris comes on to talk about post-surgical infections for our horse health report. Natasha Sprengers-Levenworth discusses the work that they do to connect riders to opportunities throughout the country. Jamie gives us chapter 20 of the opium equation and Jill asks her all about her trip to Wyoming and Sally 28 chapter 28. Oh, I thought that's what I said. No, what did I say? I think you said chapter 20. It's okay. <laughs> oh, did I? <laughs> all right. And Sally from heels down joins in. So you don't want to miss any of it. It's a packed show as always today, guys. And speaking of today, today is lucky penny day. So find a penny, pick it up. <laughs> What if it's on tails? Can you still pick it up? <clears throat> yes. I, you know, there is some, I did read some I thought you were supposed on that. You can to only do it, it if it's face up. There's some <clears throat> controversy. I say, if you find a penny, pick it up. Okay. I heard okay. it was the opposite. I thought it was the opposite. It was on tail. Well, that's, well, that's cause you're water. from, you're from Pittsburgh and everything's backwards. <gasps> all up there. God. <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> My daily winning goes out to my vet. Um, so, yes, like I said, we're exploring some uh, medical reasons why my horse might not be pushing through um, that extra 10% that we have left to go. And so we did some hawk injections yesterday. So why I'm giving it to my vet is because she is not nickel and diming me on this. She's telling me exactly what we need to do in the immediate um, I needed to get some films. She says we can kind of hold off on those for a while. Just kind of helping me through this process since, uh, you know, I don't have a 
big truckload of money to spend. So it was it was really great. Um, we were able to get the Hawk injections done at a relatively affordable cost yesterday and be able to put off what we can put off for next time. And so uh, I, you'll be amazed. You'll be very <laughs> pleased on, on how that helps. So good. I'm glad you've got to give it. It's so important to have a great relationship. You know, if you can call your vet and they pick up the phone, you know, you've got a good good vet or you're a disaster. One or the other. We have a texting relationship. So I feel like we're on our way. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I'll text my vet, but when I call her, she knows she better answer the damn phone. Okay, my daily witty goes out to somebody, you guys, this was so cool. And I totally fangirled. So I was in Wyoming the past week. And um, there's a very important person to our radio show that lives in Wyoming. And his name is Jared Rogerson. And he sings the song Peace, Love, and Horses. And I have crushed over him for years and years and years. And so I met him in Jackson Hole with my dad and Lucas and Chad. And I all met Jared for lunch. Oh my gosh. I met Jared and he is a doll. He is the sweetest thing. He is a cutie pie. Oh my gosh. He's adorable. I saw his picture and I was like, that is not what I expected him to look like. I mean, I don't know what I expected him to look like, but I was like, that's it. Wow. He's cutie pie. You know what he looked like to me? And I didn't tell him this because I don't know how people take things. If you're like, Hey, you look like this guy. He looked like a young Garth Brooks to me. Oh, there you go. I was like totally squishy. He was so sweet and so cute. He drove 80 miles one way to come eat us for lunch. And I said, that's crazy. You didn't have to do that. And he was like, oh, no, this is like the shortest trip. He lives in a place called Pinedale, which is like, I don't know. I think you have to like ford a river and things like that to get to (laughs) where he lives i don't even think they have power there so it it was really uh really nice to meet him and it was really sweet so for those tell you that i have to start hanging out with you more because you hang out with hot fire pilots hot cowboys (laughs) and hot musicians that's it i'm out (laughs) (laughs) you know what you do you live in a retirement community jim i know i'm doing it wrong You're doing it completely wrong. Yeah. No, it was, it was really fun. And, you know, when you meet somebody and and you have kind of a preconceived notion of who they're going to be or how they are, he was just everything and more, you know, we've interviewed him on the show. He's always been really nice and really funny. And he just, he played with Lucas, he hung out with Chad. I mean, I came over and he's like sitting there with talking to my dad, you know, just like a totally down to earth cool guy so how, anyway how old is he he looks young he's a lot younger than i thought he was too yeah and you know what he did uh, he was late for lunch and so i got this text from him and he's like sorry i'm gonna be a few minutes late i had to go um one of the elks had a calf <laughs> and i was like yeah i've heard that before whatever you're trying to show up <laughs> and then he had pictures of this tiny little elk because he's like works with the elk and population and numbers and he's like a scientist or something actually like for his real job so um it was like a real weird i'm gonna be late because i have to go see this baby elk (laughs) it was the cutest thing ever so anyway jared gets my winnie thanks for driving that far to to come to lunch with us like he's listening to the show whatever well, I'm really excited to have one of my favorite vets on. We just were talking about our veterinarians, and uh, we've got Dr. Waldridge on the line. Good morning, Dr. Waldridge. Morning. Thank you so much. Uh, I heard you're having a, a heck of a day. Are you okay? Yeah, it's 
Uh, it's just um, um, springtime in Kentucky is um, starts about February and ends sometime in early June, and you can't really tell when it stops. So it's just <laughs> getting there and um, hoping got enough batteries to make it another two weeks. Oh my gosh! So uh, are the most of the babies born already, or is are we still having a couple late ones? There's a few stragglers. It's it's been a little bit of a weird year. I've had a bunch going over. So um, I'd say most some farms are done. Others still have a handful to go. Wow. Well, we are going to talk to you a little bit about um, a kind of special situation, a special horse. And the horse that we're going to talk to you about is a, a racehorse named Green Mask. So... Give us a little history on Green Mask, if you don't mind. Oh, he's a really good racehorse. Won over a million dollars and had a training injury where he, he fractured his ankle. And um, when he fractured his ankle, he also broke the sesamoids, the two small bones in the back of the ankle that tie into the suspensory <laughs> ligament and help to support the ankle. And so when he had that done, you know, he had to have... Um, an ankle fusion surgery done. So he had to, to get that fracture repaired and then also had to have his ankle fused, which is, uh, putting a large plate in there, uh, to help stabilize the ankle. And so he had that done. I believe that was in September when he had that surgery. How common is something like this for, um, especially for just, you know, a gelding, um, how 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 typical is it for people to take a horse that fractures a front leg into a hospital and do this fusion? The the fusions themselves are are pretty uncommon. Uh, now the condylar fractures, which which is kind of how this all starts, are one of the more common fractures of racehorses, and and they carry a pretty favorable prognosis. And what a condylar fracture is, if you look at the far end of the cannon bone. There's a little groove in the middle there, which people say is like the tip of a screwdriver, and that kind of concentrates force. And it's one of the reasons why these fractures occur, but they'll kind of fracture off the, the side of the cannon bone that sits on top of the ankle. And that's probably one of the most common fractures you see in racehorses. And that's pretty stable, but once it involves those sesamoid bones, those tiny bones on the back of the ankle where the suspensory ties in, then then you have more catastrophic injury because there's more destabilization of the joint. So that, that's more uncommon. That's, that's the same fracture, unfortunately, that Barbaro had. And, uh, the, the same surgeon who repaired Barbaro also Dr. Dean Richardson at, uh, University of Pennsylvania did the surgery for green mask. Well, it sounds like green mask is, is faring, you know, sadly the outcome with Barbaro was, was tragic this seems to be working for green mask right oh yes ma'am he's a he's a happy boy uh, he still lives here at the hospital for until he goes back out to old friends but he goes out every day in the paddock and is you know, pretty sound on that and um you know other than some drainage from that incision site uh or the surgery site um he's he's doing really well this is, it's an unbelievable thing to see this horse, um, cantering around in his paddock, uh, with this big brace on. I mean, this, I feel like this is something that most owners wouldn't invest the money into yeah. yet. What I read is that there's over $50,000 worth of vet care has gone into wow. this. 
Yes, ma'am. Especially being a gelding, unfortunately. Uh, mm-hmm. But his owner was a dedicated owner, and when he injured himself, you know, the owner paid for everything. And it's um, amazing through uh, through you know just through connections to old friends. You know the horse because he has a lot of friends. I mean, he's a, uh, and fans. You know he's a, he's a great race horse. He's a wonderful horse. He's just friendly and he's just like a big Labrador really when you talk when you would deal with them and so uh found him a home at old friends and then you know lots of folks here you know chipped in their time and knowledge and services to take care of him like he went to uh Kesmark which is across the street from the hospital here basically and went to the hyperbaric oxygen chamber which helps with healing and they did a lot of excellent care on him and then um Dr. Park here at the hospital does everything for old friends at no cost and dr holland also over at kesmark worked on them so a lot of people have put in a lot of work into this horse just to you know try and make it better and get him a good home see i think this does such a good thing for the whole racing industry and to Mm -hmm. show people that these horses these people love these horses and they care about these horses and in most Mm -hmm. cases and this is a situation where we're getting to to see it and follow along on the journey now what i did read uh in the blood horse is that he may have to have one more surgery to help with the infection that's right yes ma'am because he has a, a large metal plate that runs directly on the front of his ankle and well, we've taken x-rays radiographs to that area and there's a couple spots where there's some little bit of bone loss not much but if you kind of think those bacteria that get in there they kind of hide around those implants and, and so it's harder for the body to get in there and, and, and clear those out and and we're learning more and more about bacteria that make it uh, make a, a bi- what's called biofilm you kind of think of that like a big mucus coat they make around themselves that protects them from the immune response and antibiotics can't penetrate that always too so by taking a metal implant out you kind of got to think it was getting rid of the hiding spot for the bacteria so your antibiotics can work so So, that's going to be the goal and and dr richardson has been following him and he, he said he's had horses drain with these for months and months some of them just spontaneously resolved but you know, often in the end, you end up having to take the implant out, but you want to make sure that the ankle's fused, which his has, it's fused well, and that way there's stability, and then you can go in there and take that plate off and, and hopefully solve all your problems. So the ankle is fused, you take that plate out, he's just back to, no. I mean, obviously performance is limited, but he's just kind of back to a normal horse whose ankle doesn't flex. Right, right. He's he's uh, going to be should be pasture sound, and you know he's going to have arthritis in that ankle. But you know a, a lot of you know that's a common spot for horses to have race horses to have arthritis, and you even see some that have raced will fuse that joint on their own sometimes just from the arthritis that built up over years of use. Wow. Wow. Well, that's absolutely amazing. And I just want to say thank you for all that you've done to help this horse and help this case and, and everybody around you. I think you guys are doing an amazing thing. And, um, I I know we kind of came, you came on to talk about post-surgical infections, but I just thought that the case was so interesting. Um, the green mask Mm -hmm. and his situation, is there anything that you that I didn't get to here that we need to add about post-surgical infections, the actual topic of conversation. <laughs> well, I think, I think the thing that, because I was trying to think what would kind of be some take home messages would be, 
you know, he had the best care imaginable and still got an infection. And, and, and there's always some that occur, you know, despite your best intentions, things happen and it's a horse. So that's always to the 10th power that something bad's going to happen. Um, so, you know, we do all we can and, and, you know, the risk factors for those are when your horse goes home to keep it bandaged, which this horse was, I'm sure, but keep it bandaged limited movement just because you know that site's inflamed just just by the surgical incision even though that's a clean clean procedure and they're on antibiotics they're still you've created inflammation just by doing the surgery so you know bandaging and you know topical um, ointments like just triple antibiotic ointment's a great one just you know neosporin ointment is, is a great topical if you have a horse go home or even if you had a horse had to have sutures to help prevent that and um, rest helps just because those stitches pulling also causes some inflammation. And then, you know, we're, we're learning more and more that horses share some of the same pathogens that, that people can get going into the hospital because you know, they sure happen in humans too. Mm-hmm. Things like MRSA, you know, the horses mm-hmm. get MRSA also and been some good studies on that to show that People can give MRSA to horses, and horses can give MRSA to humans, and horses oh can give gosh. MRSA to other horses. There, there's some, I don't know how much time you have for me, but there's some pretty interesting <laughs> studies looking at that also that have been done. I I, be, I believe it. I mean, the fact that anything can go back and forth human to horses is pretty intense and pretty scary. I didn't scary. even know that. That's amazing. I had no idea. Yeah, there's some really cool studies, because um, i got sampled for this one and well they went and looked at veterinarians went to big national veterinary conferences so you could get cultured for uh and i should say methicillin resistant staphylococcus aureus is mrsa or, or mrsa you know the words you names you hear for it um and they sampled veterinarians and they found that equine veterinarians compared to to the normal population out there were 23 times more likely to carry MRSA. And when they looked at small animal veterinarians, there was only about uh, 5% of them had it. So, you know, working with horses itself appears to be a, a risk factor for just carrying MRSA. And so, you know, that, that brings another point in, you know, wearing, wearing gloves, exam gloves when you handle these wounds or if you have to treat a horse and, the the Purell type hand sanitizers have the alcohol based hand sanitizers do a great job. If your hands are clean, those do a wonderful job at killing bacteria. So, you know, that's something else for owners to keep in mind. If you're dealing with wounds on your horse, get your box of exam gloves and a bottle of Purell and wash your hands real well. Okay, this is just one more thing that horse owners can freak out about and post on Facebook. Oh my God, I burst, uh, <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, That's right, Google. <laughs> God, this, we're all in trouble now. Now, before we let you go, I just have to ask, because uh, thinking about that and how people can get online and start discussing, is it, maybe it's not as big a problem in Lexington because it's such a horse-savvy area, but do you have clients that have ask on Facebook about, Oh, my horse has this. And do you think it's this? And then they come to you with a diagnosis that they read online. Does that happen to you? Oh, Dr. Google is the busiest doctor on the face of the <laughs> earth. Um, uh, well, other than Dr. Not me, Dr. Not me is a close second, but, 
yeah, it's always good when you have a supporting documentation of the diagnosis by Google. Um, it's, 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 (laughs) you want people to be informed, but it's, um, sometimes tough to, to talk them down from the edge, you know? So, um, you, you want, I think people are, I think information is always a good thing, but if you look often enough, you're going to, you can diagnose your horse with virtually anything you cared to look for on the internet. So it, it's <laughs> yeah. unfortunately very yeah. common after the fact, it's even more of a joy when you've diagnosed <laughs> it and then you get the Google diagnosis. But, um, yes, ma'am, it's a, it's a very common thing. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. I mean, I get frustrated reading posts on, on Facebook and then we've, I can't even imagine walking up to a client's house and be like, yeah, horse said, no, he has this because I Google it. And (laughs) (laughs) you know what? That's crazy. So Dr. Waldridge, thank you so much for all you've done working with the green mask. Give him a treat for us today, if you don't mind. And, um, thank you for coming on and we'll talk to you again soon. I always love it. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thanks. Dr. Brian Waldridge, do you have a website? Uh, I do. You can go to, uh, it's it's painfully neglected right now because I've been so busy. But if you go on Facebook to Dr. B's Bluegrass, I have, um, I try to post some things of just cool stuff in Kentucky. I don't put up much medical stuff because to me, I like to just show the people here and the horses here and the, the landscape you know, to kind of give people a, a view of Kentucky and I'm um, Always pushing to try and get my vet reality show. So that's what I'm trying to do too. There's my pilot. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, I'd like to, I'd love to, we're, we're kind of on the edge of maybe getting to do something this fall. So, um, cause I just think it's a, it's a really cool area and a lot of cool stories here. And, and that's, that's what we want to do. Show the people that work with the horses. Okay. Since you're in Kentucky before I let you go, sorry, I know I keep saying that. Um, justify. No, you're Crown fine. I think he will. Um, I picked him to win the Derby and, um, I don't know. That's a real horse. He's a big horse and he runs to the front and he's had two bad trips. I mean, if it's a Belmont, I mean, the Belmont has, uh, you know, broken many a horse trying to win, but, um, including one of my favorites charismatic, but mm-hmm. you know, if you give him a good track, uh, you know, it's probably going to be a fairly small field. I mean, I, th- I think he's real. Um, I, I think he's got a, a real, real shot at it. Oh, and he's big so and red. Yeah. Big and red horses are special to me. So <laughs> he, he, uh, I don't know. I don't think he's a long shot. Let's put it that way. All right. Oh, that's so exciting. All right. Dr. Waldridge says justifies going to win triple crown. Y'all watch out. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Put that on Google. Yeah. Put that on Google (laughs) today. (laughs) Uh, Dr. Waldridge, thank you so much. Talk to you again soon. Dr. B's Bluegrass. Thank you guys too. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay. So I think I found the connection uh, of why so many vets have MRSA over small animal vets. It's because you ride your horse, then you fall off your horse, you go to the hospital, you get MRSA while you're in the hospital, and then you come back, get back on your horse, give it to your horse, and then you ask your vet why you fell off your horse and to check out your horse. And so then your vet gets MRSA, and then there you go. Boom. It's a just giant circle. It's MRSA. a giant. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a MRSA circle. 
It is. It is. Well, hey, uh, Dr. B is awesome. I would love to see a reality show about Lexington. That'd be just the coolest thing. So anyway, Dr. B's Bluegrass, you can find him on Facebook and that show is going to happen. We've been talking about it for years, so I I hope it happens soon. Well, hey, um, Jill, I don't know if you are ready to spend some money, but go to horselovers.com. All right. I'm yes, I'm going right now. Because <gasps> it's summer's coming up and I feel like I need some new riding tights. Yeah. There, you know, because it gets really hot here and you don't want to put on a big heavy pair of breeches. So they have balance tights on sale, noble outfitters, which I love everything noble noble outfitters. $39.99. And look at that, it's right on deal. the front page. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also, if you trail ride, all of the high-vis reflective gear is on sale. They have spring clothes out. They've got a clearance section. They've got all sorts of stuff. Uh, so definitely go check out horselovers.com. You can win an outfit. Do you see that? Noble Alfred's win valued at $128 right there. Uh, and, and gosh, I never win anything. So y'all have a better shot. <laughs> because I, it will never work for me. Um, they do have those Ashley's pull-on breeches that are on sale. I actually have a couple pair of those, and I really like them because they're very soft and they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's like riding. It's like riding in pajama pants, but they fit. <laughs> yeah, I get, so. those the ones with like the knee patches is the same material as like the pants, sort of. Oh my so god! I, I got yes, a, yeah, I got a pair of those. I got them yeah. in brown. They had them for like I think ten bucks the one day, and I and it was like you didn't know what color you were gonna get, and I just ordered them, and I got like a pair like a tannish brown, and they're they're really comfy. They're super comfy. So check them all out. Horse lovers, that's horse lovers with a z. dot com. Oh my god, some socks are on sale. That's when oh, I get in trouble. Socks. Oh socks. boy. Okay. <laughs> Hello, Natasha. This is Jill I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on your side of the world in the eventing uh, section of the United States. How are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Yes, thanks for being here. And my, uh, excuse me, my <laughs> my daughter just had an eventing spill. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I'm so sorry. She, she is a year old, so we'll we'll let that go. <laughs> okay. That happens okay. a lot. Now, she what we're what we're going to talk to you about today is eventclinics.com. Event Clinics is a website. Now, mind you, I'm an eventer and I'm in Arizona. And we've got to talk about this because there's nothing in Arizona or on my area that's on Event Clinics yet. So we're going to have to set that up. But why don't you we tell everybody? We are definitely going to have to set that up. Yes. So tell everybody what eventclinics.com is. Um, So Event Clinics is a platform that links riders and opportunities nationwide. Um, We see ourselves a little bit as, you know, the link for buyers and sellers. So we don't actually organize clinics, but what we do is facilitate organizers spreading the word about their clinics as well as organizing their clinics um, through our, our website, our platform, and accepting online payments. Um, the great thing about event clinics for organizers is that we're completely free. So um, there are no charges to organizers for posting, promoting, or organizing their activities through our platform. Um, so basically, so the natural, it's, oh, it's, go ahead. It's, a, it's a website where I can go on and be like, okay, what's going on around me? I can go, I can search for a clinic or search for an event that's going yep. on at a facility near me and I can pay for it on the site. Yes, you can. Um, And so naturally everybody asks like, well, 
why the hell are you doing this? Like, how do you make money? Yeah, that was my <laughs> um, next question. So we charge, yeah, we charge a convenience fee to riders who provide um, online payments through the platform. So let's say that you're paying $55 to enter a schooling show, a couple classes at a schooling show. Um, you'll be charged a $2.99 convenience fee when you enter your credit card information. Um, and our easy instant pay technology, which is what allows us to do that, mm-hmm. runs through PayPal. So it's totally secure and, again, protects um, organizers from having any additional fees. Okay. PayPal and me are very close friends and it's a very dangerous relationship (laughs) that I have with PayPal. It's a slippery Uh, slope. I understand. (laughs) PayPal PayPal is the way I hide things from my husband when he doesn't know I'm buying them. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Dangerous, dangerous place for me to be. So right now we've got how many states are uh, organized? Is this a new website by the way? I would say that we're about a year and a half old. So now we're really starting to grow beyond the borders of where we started. We started in the DC metro area. So, you know, Maryland, a little bit of Virginia. Um, and now we're in New Jersey, Florida, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, New York, Connecticut. There are quite a few states, but Arizona's not on there. So we do have to fix that. <laughs> That's because there's like three things that happened in Arizona. <laughs> Um, But you could also get California involved in Galway and Copper. And there's some really great places out there that would be uh, great. And we do have a couple adult rider clinics and young rider clinics here in Arizona at Carefree Farm. So uh, definitely something to get involved with. Call us because I am so tired of being an inventor in Arizona and like being the only one I feel like on the planet. So <laughs> we, we need well, to connect to other stuff. <laughs> okay. I love it. I love it. But um, fantastic. The uh, website is eventclinics.com. Go check it out. Jill, is there anything in your area? Um, that you can go to? Well, oh yeah. Plenty. There's tons in my area. There's actually, um, I see Sprez or Sport Horse up here. That's a, a place I travel to for some dressage lessons. I mean, there's stuff in Ohio, Maryland, Lock Moy. I mean, everything's up here that is within my area and reach. And it's just nice to have it all put on one page with dates and time. So you can just sit down with a schedule and figure out, hey, like, well, I have some time this month. What do we got going on? It's, You're it's, such a bragger. It's making I'm mad. sorry. I just had to throw <laughs> that in there. <laughs> Well, this is fantastic. Natasha, congratulations on getting this website. Uh, Anything to help eventers get organized is okay in my book. (laughs) We're kind of, we're kind of trying to help the whole horse world, you know, but as a dressage lady myself, I'd say the eventers do need a little help with the organization. Oh, here we go. (laughs) The GQ the whole time. Gosh, <laughs> I know I've been masquerading. <laughs> so when it says event clinics, it's just like actually events. It's not eventers clinics. We know we yes, get that, yes. but event it's a clinics, little bit of a misnomer. <laughs> well, there's a but lot of are, um, eventing in here. You know, there's some cross country schooling and things like that. So event Sharon White clinics, and so there is a lot and a lot of boring, just plain dressage. That's fine, whatever. It's fine. Oh yeah, totally <laughs> boring, whatever. <laughs> uh, Natasha, eventclinics.com. You guys check it out. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, well, moving right along, because I gave my daily winning, I have to play his music. Jared Rogerson, and here is Riding Wild Ponies.
got my Cadillac pack She's loaded and ready Gonna take her down the road to the rodeo And with a new tank of fuel And a cool Mountain Dew I'm gonna do just what I wanna do We'll be riding wild ponies And chasing pretty girls Shooting for the title The champion of the world Show up, take the money and run. Even if I don't win, well, I still have fun. Just riding wild ponies and chasing pretty girls, driving all around the world. Granddaddy said I need to find a girl and settle down. It's a secret to a happy life Now I'm feeling pretty good Man, he must have been right I just found my one Only for the night Well, Bucky's on the phone And Darlene's heading home Me, I just travel Wherever I may roam I just show up Take the money and run Sometimes I don't win But I still have fun Just riding wild ponies And chasing pretty girls Driving all around the world Still have fun Just riding wild ponies And chasing pretty girls Driving all around the world We'll be driving all around the world Another half a million miles around the world That's Jared Rogerson of Riding Wild Ponies. Uh, you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you today by horselovers.com. And, um, well, yeah, I just got back from, like, an epic adventure. Yeah, speaking of Riding Wild Ponies. Um, so we, we all got to follow along if you're an auditor. And you pay your a minimum of a dollar a one month one dollar a month. You can follow along on Jamie's adventures as well. And we got to see her in Wyoming with the, what's the name of the horse again? Is it Lila? Lila. Lila is an eight year old Frisian. And a little backstory: she was bought kind of by somebody who was fire sailing a bunch of Frisians. And so this farm Triangle X Ranch, uh, near and dear to my heart. On a side note, I've been there before, but they. They don't, they didn't know that. Um, anyway, so they bought this horse and, um, the owner, uh, Amanda was going to train her herself and finally threw that leg over and woke up in the hospital. Oh no. Nobody was around. Nobody saw what happened. And, um, so the horse has been sent to several trainers. I found out since then, and nobody has had any success with her. So, 
they, through a mutual friend, heard about me and invited me up to come stay at the ranch and work with the horse. That's so that's that's amazing. And and that ranch is beautiful. We've seen your pictures from there before. Um, so she, did she she paid for you to go and stay there? So they actually the the Turner family, we've, we've interviewed Robert mm-hmm. Turner before um you can go find him in the archives there and we we interviewed him and it's his wife's horse so basically it was like hey come train this horse and i'll give your family a free vacation you know it's not full season there yet so there was really no other guests there it was just us and all the wranglers that are getting all the horses prepped so i got to help with some of that hey do you mind riding a horse or two no i don't (laughs) (laughs) why sure yeah Uh, mm um yep I'll be I'd there. Be, I'd be happy to help you. Yeah. So um, I basically spent five to six hours a day with this Frisian mare and kind of tried to ride in between and hang out with my kid. And my dad came up from Atlanta or from Georgia. So he hung out with Lucas while Chad and I and Chad played golf and I worked with the horse. Uh, so speak- good vacation. Speaking of Lucas, I, I think. I love this kid so much because every time you post a video and Lucas is anywhere near the camera, he throws out some random comment. Like when he's sitting there, he's like, my head hurts. Like, here you are putting this, this person the you know, the fake person in the, in the pink suit, which I'm very curious as to where you got that. Whole, I don't know what that was. Now, the dummy. The dummy, yes. You tossed the dummy up on the horse, which scared me. And I think it was just because I had paid the vet bill for the uh, hawk injections that I did. And I was a little shaky. And I was like, oh, God, what is she putting on the horse? And then I realized what you were doing. And then at the end of the video, I hear a little Lucas comment. He's like, my head hurts. So it's like, look at this wonderful thing happening in front of you, Lucas. And it's like, yeah, whatever. I don't even He'll care. sit there and he, a couple times during the, the videos, would just say, Mom, that's really stupid. (laughs) You don't even know what I'm doing. (laughs) Thanks for your comments, buddy. Thanks for interjecting there, Lucas. It always makes it very entertaining. So then, so you had Lila, and so where did where did we leave her? What what is the status of Lila currently? Well, I'll I'll tell you. I'll tell you where we started. We started with a horse that I I could get a halter sort of on her by standing on a fence because her head would go straight up in the air by the way you couldn't catch her so you couldn't catch her and so i had to sneak up on her and like put the line over her shoulder and drape it down which sent her crazy she is very very scared of people and i don't know i mean i'm sure she came like that when (sighs) they when they bought her she was fairly scared but i don't think that anything that's happened to her since then has done anything to alleviate those fears. Uh So I had a horse that, um, basically, you know, a wild Mustang is a blank slate. And once you kind of clear an area with a wild Mustang, that, that area is clear with a remedial horse like her, you have like, if you think of the way horses learn, like think of their brain as a filing cabinet and they have file a file all the way deep of bad pictures. You as the trainer have to start replacing everything in the front with good pictures. And it takes a lot of patience and a lot of consistency and a lot of time and a lot of just, Oh my God, Chad would be like, you're so patient. And I'm like, basically (laughs) you're saying I'm boring. I get it. That's fine. (laughs) So she was, she, I mean, to just touch her, on her shoulder 
And I posted a video on my personal page of how flinchy she was and terrified. The scariest thing about her was not only is she super scared of everything, she would spook. She's what we call a very into pressure horse. She would spook towards you. Mm-hmm. So she would come into your bubble as opposed to run away from it. And as a giant Frisian, that's fairly scary (laughs) when you're, you know, trying to basically show her that things are okay and everything scared her. So um, trying to get her away from pressure and away from me or person handling her was interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I started with just trying to halter her and, um, carry on in a week and get everything done. Well, I think it, I think it was really fun to go along that journey with you with, so thank you for posting all of those videos. Cause it's just neat. Cause we followed you along with the whole Monty Roberts getting certified and everything like that. And now seeing you actually like put it to work really is just, it's fun to watch. So I want to thank you for uh, keeping um, us on. Gosh, it was, it was so interesting. It did take like nine hours for these videos to load <laughs> so I <didn't> post <laughs> as many, but yeah, we start with just even, I just basically started her over, but you had to go so much slower with her. So the first day was join up a sur single and some long lining, you know, and where Monty would just toss a rider up, you know, uh, yeah, we can't quite do that. So we had to go all the way from, you know, just basically touching her up through a lot of work with plastic on a stick approach and retreat. Uh, pretty much she tested everything I've ever learned at, at flag is up farms with Monty Roberts. There you go. To, <laughs> was tested. And, um, then I got to teach her owner how to do join up and long lining. And she bought a dually halter and she joined the university and she bought the long lines and, and, um, we, we got somebody bellying her, but everybody was just kind of, nervous to throw the leg over and I had a mounting block but I did not ride her because I was still too short me getting on her would have been a really big move and I had a couple really tall handsome cowboys so I was gonna use them so Mm -hmm. there you go I did some work teaching these cowboys how to move slow like with a horse like Lila you have to move like you're practicing tai chi you know (laughs) everything is smooth and slow and you know so so that's kind of where we ended up with her and so finally on the last day I did not have anybody to ride her and that was kind of they wanted me they she the owner just didn't want to be the one to make the decision of when it was okay for somebody to ride so I went from using that tiny little postage stamp saddle to then a kid's Western saddle to then a lady's Western saddle to then finally a cowboy's Western saddle. And so we went kind of incrementally up on everything. And finally on the last day, my little dummy rider, which is, uh, yeah, I was pretty surprised. They, I said, I need some big boots that I can put, you know, on her, on the sides of her. And I said, you know, uh, just basically to simulate some rider. And they go, we've got a dummy. Like, no, you don't. Are you serious? So it's this kid's ski outfit that they've stuffed full of, I don't know, sand. It was so heavy. And um, so I ended up figuring out a way to tie that to the saddle. And of course, like she was having none of it at first. Everything is approach or retreat. Nice and slow. Got the dummy on her, tied the dummy on her, sent her off. She did not have a huge reaction. So I said, well, I think she's ready. Who wants to ride her? 
And so Lucas uh, was out there, another a, a grown man named Lucas, Lucas Turner. Oh, not your out, Lucas. Okay. No, not my Lucas, another Lucas, oddly enough. And um, I, he was just out there. And I said, hey, you want to ride her? He's like, you think uh, he's okay? And I was like, don't worry, I'll ask the other cowboy, William. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he's like, uh, you, you know, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did right there. Yeah, you're well. Yeah. <laughs> It's all about figuring out men's brains. So got on, he got on her and they were so excited and I was so excited and exhausted that I drank three beers and passed out at like eight 30 <laughs> that night. So, so the biggest question is, I think uh, okay. everyone wants to know, um, did you make your flight? You oh, because yeah. of the traffic jam? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am here. I did make the flight, although it was about 30 minutes of delay. And you can explain to everybody why I was so, stuck in traffic. So Jamie, yes. Yeah, so Jamie posts this video and says, we've got some traffic and on the road are, I, I mean, it just, it was a ranch. I mean, it was a cattle drive on the road from fence line to fence line, cowboys, kids on horses. I mean, Chad even commented on the video. We just got passed by a horse. I mean, full on cattle drive down the road. And I'm sitting there going, I mean, what do you do for that? Is that, is it, is it like a law you have to stop and wait? I mean, do they think, sorry, we can't let you buy. I mean, like what, what happened here? You know what? It was basically, we were driving from Jackson to Salt Lake city. Cause that's where we flew out of. And it's about five and a half hours. And it's so beautiful that I, we didn't mind making the drive. Um, so we turn off and just one of these like connector roads. And yeah, I mean, dude, I, I, I Chad goes, there's a horse cantering down the road. And I was, I looked up, I go, do you see what's up ahead? <laughs> the road so he, just ended. So and he didn't just, even know that there was a cattle drive in front of him. No, he didn't even see because it was quite a quite further ahead. And we're like, hey, there's somebody loping, by the way. That's what it's called, not cantering. Yeah, loping do. down the road. And um, I said, look ahead, dude. That's crazy. And it was like a full-on. They were moving the I mean, from what I assume, nobody actually spoke to me. I waved at them, but they all just, you know, they're all cowboys. I was videoing. I was, you know, they're like, <laughs> what a dude. Um, so I'm videoing and um, they just were moving these cows and their calves into, I guess, the summer pasture. And they were just in the middle of the road and you just had to just wait. <laughs> and yeah. there's, there's nowhere to go around them. It took from, oh. from fence line to fence line all the way across the road. There was just hundreds and hundreds of them. That was a lot. That was, that was great. Great video. Thanks for, thanks for posting that one as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we made the flight. We, we were running, but uh, yeah, we made it. So anyway, it was a really great trip. And if anybody is interested in a dude ranch, this one was just mm. epic, just an epic adventure. So um, I do appreciate everybody at Triangle X being so awesome. So, um, so I guess the other question is, um, what, where did you leave Lila and, um, were they happy with what you did? And is there any plans in the future to work with her again? So let's see, that was a lot of questions in one. Um, so yes, they were, that's okay. No, uh, they were very excited, very pleased. Um, there, 
we had already talked about coming this time next year because they're like, we have another one that's going to be three next spring. Can you come? And I was like, yes, I'll come out again because it was so fun to be out there this time of year. Um, so they were really excited. Yes, I will be going back, but not to probably work with her specifically. Um, and the where that I left them is I taught all the cowboys what to do. And oh, she, oh, wow. and she, uh, the owner now, uh, they have a round pen set up now. So I taught her how to, d- I gave her a full two days of lessons, um, with join up tacking long lining. And I'm like long liner outside of this pen, long liner out in the pasture, just take her everywhere. And then, you know, when you're done with all that, have one of these guys get back on her. I said, I don't want you on her for a long time, but I want these guys to just get on her every day. Just, you know, have, I had to hold the line in the middle because she does have a spin and that's kind of, I think how she gets everybody in trouble. And she spins it on quick. Um, so I said, but have, you know, stand somebody in the middle with the line and have one of these guys get on her because she didn't super react to the leg going over her back or him sitting down. It was just once she realized, Oh my God, somebody's on me. She was fairly panicked. But uh-huh. if you just replace those pictures every single time you get this guy on her and it's not a super bad thing, then obviously you can lengthen the time that you have a rider on and eventually, you know, it'll be more safe for her. But I said, you know, have these, have these non helmet wearing cowboys hop on up before, before you get on. And uh, I think, I think she's going to be fine. I think I just gave them a little bit of a lesson plan and courage basically. It's definitely helpful. Certainly helpful whenever you're, you know, working like this. Cause I, I know that if it was my horse and you left, I would go into panic mode. Like, no, what am I supposed to do now? Like come back. Right. So it, does, yeah. it doesn't help them for me to train their horse. I have to teach her. I said, you know, this is not a normal ranch horse. This is not going to be a horse. You're going to tie up to the hitching line and leave for two hours. It's just not that kind of horse. She has had some trauma. She has PTSD. You have to to work around these, you have to change the way, like you have to change the way you pet her. Like they would reach out and she pet her like, you know, like that. And like, Nope. Stroking, rubbing slowly everything. And she's on the mounting block. And I said, good, go give her a rub. And she just sticks her hands out and pets her like, Nope, Nope. And then the mare of course is like, gone. So, you know, I kind of feel like I did a good job teaching them teaching her a new way to approach horsemanship with this horse. And, um, so I think, I think I got through to them. I think it's going to be fine. Yeah. Well, that's part of Monty's plan too, right? Spread the word on how to do things better. Instead of just just, the horse anyway. Well, it's just one of those things where, you know, nobody was mean to her. Just nobody did anything with her. You know, so she, she didn't have a great, she just was kind of out in the pasture, you know? So it's, I think she has more value than that. So uh-huh. I think that's what I think that's what we were able to help them with. Well, Jill, if you are um, not sick of me yet, nope. <laughs> you can go over to Horsemanship Radio. <laughs> Debbie Laux, Monty's daughter, actually interviewed me about passing the exams and being at Flag is Up Farms. So if you're not sick of me already, you can go find more of me talking about it uh, no. over on on the Horsemanship Radio show. No, I think, I think, I don't think anybody's sick of what you're doing. (laughs) You keep it all interesting and uh, people always come up with some kind of questions that they want to know about you and uh, follow Uh along with what you're doing. And um, I think, uh, 
I think it's fair to say that I, I, I can ask a question I know all the auditors want to know. Oh, boy. And that is, uh, yeah, that is, um, how do you feel emotionally inside knowing that Justify and your personal favorite, Mike Smith, will be uh, possible Triple Crown winners this year? Oh, God, this is such a loaded question. <laughs> Number one, let's start out with, I love Justify. He is a major, amazing monster of a horse, and I think mm-hmm. he's got the talent and the skill. Mm-hmm. And I think anytime somebody can win the Triple Crown, it just looks great for horses and for the, the racing industry. I just think it's awesome. That being said, for those who don't know, <clears throat> there's a there's a reason that I have this great love for Mike Smith and love is sarcastic. Of course, um, (laughs) Mike Smith broke my heart. There is not a racehorse that I loved more than Zenyatta. I mean, my dog is named Zenyatta. Like she's looking at me right now going, what, (laughs) why are you talking about me? (laughs) Uh, I loved that horse Zenyatta and, um, she is just amazing. And, um, the last race, her 20th race, she was 19 and 0. And she's in the Breeders' Cup Classic. And he just blew it. He blew her 20th victory. And he broke my heart. And I've yet to forgive him. And there's a couple other times that he's been on opposing horses that I've been fans of. And he's broken my heart there as well. So he has just been the worst to me. (laughs) Now, that being said, have you seen that picture of when Justify is jumping the oh, tractor well, thing, uh, the the mud pile, basically. No, um, I have not. Okay, so there's a picture of Justify who he's coming down the stretch in the Preakness. It's so muddy, and Mike Smith said he actually it was a tractor print. Uh, tractor was a tire oh, tire print. That's what that is. I thought yes. that was. Oh yes, I have seen that. Okay, so, I. I Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so he's jumping in. What I liked about that picture is it justify is like, you know, (laughs) legs in the air, still going to go on to win. But Mike Smith is sitting so cool in that saddle. And I just looked at that and I was like, okay, that's that's fairly good riding. You know, like he's completely in balance. And did you just give him a compliment? I did. It it hurts me. But like, those guys are riding on their tippy toes in the stirrup. You know, and, and on perched on this horse's back that's going 40 miles an hour, I find that he could sit that chill in a moment like that. I I respected that. Now, that wow. being said, um, that's the only nice thing I'm ever going to say about Mike Smith. So. <laughs> Please, Glenn might need a cut and a snippet of that to use later of her giving a compliment to Mike. No, don't cut that <laughs> out. I don't want it to come out wrong. Um, so, basically... I really want Justify to, to win. win the Triple yeah. Crown. I yeah. think it's a deserving horse. I just love, love, love this horse. And I think it's really exciting. And I, I just was so excited when he won the Preakness because it makes the Belmont so much more exciting when we mm-hmm. have a potential Triple Crown winner. Mm-hmm. That being said, even though I complimented Mike Smith, <laughs> I want you to know, I don't think he's going to do it. He's going to come in second place and it's not going to be justifies fault. It's going to be Mike Smith's fault. So you just wait to see what happens. However, I will be betting on justify to win, (laughs) but I will not be surprised if he breaks my heart. So we'll see what happens. 
So we were, uh, we're pulling, we'll pull them for him. Jeez, tell we'll us how you really feel, Jamie. You know, right? <laughs> Listen, you should have heard some of the other things I've said about him on this show. Okay. <laughs> and Glenn always threatens. He's like, I'm going to book him as a guest. And I was like, I'll quit. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, I'll get him on this show. I'm like, no, you won't. Cause I'll quit. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's the Mike Smith story and the Mike Smith tale. And I just, was so bummed that he was the one riding justified, but whatever it's, it, it is what it is. You know, p- owners make mistakes and they hired the wrong jockey. They should have hired Victor, but whatever. It's cool. Um, now wow. before we move on to the book, I have to ask Jimmy, I saw something on Facebook and I wouldn't, when I think of you, Jimmy, I don't think of like a big time animal person. You know what I mean? Like you're, you you have peacocks outside your door right now that you hate. No, I um, love them. I don't see guys. Okay. Fake news okay. alert. I love the, I'm actually a big, big animal lover. Glenn calls me okay. the animal whisperer because every time we're anywhere, it seems animals come out of the woods to say hello to me. It's actually kind of bizarre. Okay, well, good. See, that's good. That's good to know because you just did something that was super animal related yes. on your Finding Florida podcast. Tell me about the big cat rescue. Oh, my gosh. So as soon as we knew we were headed out to Tampa Bay, we were inundated with requests to go to Big Cat Rescue, which I'm ashamed to say I'd never heard of before. Um, but as soon as I mentioned it to anybody, they were like, oh, my gosh, Big Cat Rescue is amazing. So we went out there. Their uh, director of PR, Susan Bass, gave us a personal tour of the entire sanctuary. It is beautiful over there. And these cats, I mean, it was such a profound experience. It's supposed to be just part of our Tampa Bay adventure. But we ended up segging it into its own bonus episode. So it's episode 7C, which is out now on FindingFloridaPodcast.com. And what was um, what, the reason why we had to do that was uh, the stories were so compelling, and what the, the work that they're doing for these animals is just uh, it's awe inspiring. I mean, and and that the personalities of these cats are just there's there's this one jaguar named Manny who just has the most piercing blue eyes. He just sits there and stares at you. You're like, oh my gosh, you just feel like your whole soul is exposed to this cat, and you're also very oh. glad that there is a fence between you two, but. Um, and then there was this adorable other one, a tiger named Princess uh, Princess Priya, who was splashing around and having. She was totally showing off for us being there. But these, I mean, and then some of their stories. You know, there was this one lady who uh, they, they the feds or whoever raided her her place, and they found seventy five of these cats in her. And this is uh, in America. This happens throughout the country that there are these huge cats being. Held so and mistreated these, and ugh, and then these cats like, yeah, come from yeah. these cats basically come from people that have illegally bought them and well that's what's so strange it's not illegal not really so it's super easy to get one of those gaming licenses one of those licenses not ga- gaming one of those licenses to keep these animals on display in your house and they only come around once a year so you have a whole year where you can mistreat this animal and it just has to be, you know, they might come and then give you a warning and then you have a whole nother year before they're there again. So these animals are kept sometimes in very atrocious conditions. It's it actually, Susan was telling us it's easier. It's, it's, it's easier to get a cat, a big cat like this in America than it is to get a gun, which I was like, are you serious? <laughs> so apparently that's true. So, uh, so, I mean, there was one cat who she was kept uh, her half her tail is missing. Because she was kept in a cage next to big, two big lions. And so you can imagine what 
what happened. Oh my gosh. You know? Or you have, you know, another other cats that are that are maimed or just mistreated and so the the work that they're doing is just awesome. And not only that, but they're also helping rescue little cats too because they 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 co-op with um the humane society. So the humane society puts up this little shelter there with full of these little the regular house cats that are up for you know, adoption. So people come in, they see the Aww. big cats and they can go into the little cat Oh, area and then adopt cute. one. It's so cute. Oh. Yeah. So I just want to give a Genius. big plug to Big Cat Rescue. You know, if you're ever out in the Tampa area or making a trip there, or if you just you know go visit them, and and if you can't make it out there, there's still ways you can help. Text cats to five two eight eight six, and you can really make a difference. And again, the episode is seven C, and it's on FindingFloridaPodcast.com. It's a lot of fun. Oh, and by the way, I just thought it was also really funny. This squirrel randomly appears in one of the cages, <laughs> and the cats couldn't care less. <laughs> like, we don't want squirrel meat. We get the good stuff. It was really funny. So, anyways, listen in. It's really good. Really good episode. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Well, that was really exciting. I'm jealous you guys got to do that. So, yep, very awesome. good. Very good well hey i think it's about time we had some trouble getting in touch with sally so we're gonna skip that for today heelsdownmag.com if you want to go check out what they're doing over there um but right now i think um i think it's time for chapter 28 what do you think i'm ready mm-hmm. go for it the opium equation is the first of the cat and right mystery series written by lisa waisaki features Cat Enright, a Tennessee Appaloosa horse trainer, Darcy Whitcomb, teenager with a trust fund, Bubba Henley, a budding juvenile delinquent, and John Gardner, a mysterious barn manager. And of course, there's Sally Blue. Thank you to the publisher Cool Titles for allowing us to read this book. If you want to read ahead, all four books in the series are available in stores and online everywhere or at lisawaisaki.com. Chapter 28 You can hide a lot of stuff in a basement. Cursing myself for my stupidity, I left the pills on the nightstand and picked up the telephone. I once again dialed the police station, only to be told once again that Deputy Giles was out. Seemed like cops are always around when you don't need them, but when you do... Instead, I called Opal Dupree. I glanced at my watch. It was after 10. The old bat was probably asleep now, but if the nurses wouldn't wake her, I'd go over there and shake her awake. Unfortunately, I would get the pleasure as Opal answered on the second ring. Miss Opal, I said after she had again inquired after my health. Maybe she finally felt some guilt here. She should, I thought, for I believe that while Opal didn't know before the fact of the crime, she figured out what was going on after the fact and didn't tell a soul. I believe in loyalty, but this was carrying it too far, especially when Bubba's life was at stake. Miss Opal, who besides you knew that Colonel Sam was your grandfather? What's that got to do with anything? Nothing, but it may have everything to do with the life and safety of Bubba Henley. Miss Opal, you've got to believe me. No one cares if your parents weren't legally married or about anything else that went on in the past. But I need to know who knew. There was dreadful silence while she contemplated her reply. The family, she said finally, just the family. I listened with growing horror as Opal described to me the peculiarities of her family tree. When she finished, I not only had my suspicions of Bubba's whereabouts confirmed, I had the old lady's tearful prayer that I'd be lucky enough to find the boy alive. By the way, she said as I was about to hang up, I'm not as as strong as I once was, and in a different way, neither are you. I am choosing not to deal with any more of this trouble, and because of your injuries, you can't. That boy needs to be found, but let someone else go to him. You stay put wherever you are. 
but I don't suppose I have to tell you that. I agreed that she didn't have to tell me, but you know, me and one ear and out the other. It was only after we hung up that I realized I had lost my quite substantial awe of the Dupree family matriarch. The awe had turned into pity. I slowly eased myself out of bed, wincing and holding my upper arm firmly with my right hand. By use of some innovative ankle movements, I was able to slide my feet into an old pair of slip-on paddock boots. I pulled Agnes's new black slicker from its perch and managed to slide my right arm into the sleeve. And by twisting and ducking my upper body, draped the rest of it around my left shoulder. It took me another five minutes to button my top button, but I got it done. If it says anything about me, I knew I wasn't supposed to be doing what I was going to do. I knew it wasn't safe. But I also knew I had to do it. Bubba's life depended on it, if he still had one. It did occur to me that I should call someone to go with me. I had seen the lights of Darcy's car go down the driveway a few minutes ago, and Carol was probably reading bedtime stories to the kids, so that left let me see John. I was horribly sure of what I would find in that basement and knew I would need help moving the body. If Bubba was down there alive, surely someone would have heard him. And in all times people had been in and out of there in the past few days, no one had heard a single peep which meant Bubba was no longer alive. I sighed and gave John a call, just telling him I needed help with something. He was probably in horror, thinking I needed him to help me get to the bathroom. The thought almost made me smile, but before I could, there was a knock on my door. So sure it was John, I switched off the alarm, and without checking to see who was on the other side, swung open the door. Damn those pills. I've spent the entire day trying to get to you, Adam's hair was splattered with mud, his jeans torn and soaked in mire. His voice was full of rage, and I refrained from looking in his eyes for fear of what I would find. In case you're wondering, he said, showing me the frighteningly large switchblade he was carrying, I don't have a gun, but I think you'll come with me anyway. If you say one word, I'll use the knife on the dog. It was only then that I noticed that Adam had a subdued Hank at the end of a piece of bailing twine. Hank looked worriedly from Adam to me, trying to understand the strange situation. His floppy ears, sad expression, and hopeful half-wag of a tail brought tears to my eyes. I looked Adam dead in the eye and realized if he thought for a second I was going to make a sound, he would slice Hank's jugular in a second. Adam's eyes were dead, but the rest of him was gasping from excitement or maybe rage, and his face twisted into a maniacal grimace as he looked at the bandages peeking from underneath Agnes's stylish coat. It was a vivid reminder that I was in no shape to fight him. Indeed, I could barely stand. If he gasped any harder, I'd probably fall over from the force of his breath. We made our way slowly out the door. My only hope was to stall in time for hopes that John would see us. What in the world was taking him so long? And why had Agnes sent me a black trench coat? Wasn't white much more practical in a situation like this? If I was wearing white, John might be able to see me in the dark. While we were now walking away from my house and barn and towards Fairbanks, I was trying to make as much noise as I could walking, but bare, cold ground is pretty silent even when it's damp. The more I tried to stomp around, the more it jarred my fragile, broken bones. I prayed for a diversion, something, anything that would make Hank bark and attract John's attention. John must be walking from the barn to the house by now, mustn't he? Surely he was, but no one, including John, arrived to interrupt my walk with Adam. I will say that Adam treated me as carefully as a treasured piece of art, so carefully, in fact, that it was spooky. It had been drizzling when we left the house, but now the rain was coming down much harder, like a cow peeing on a flat rock, as my grandma would have said. After a few more steps and a few deep gulps of cold, foggy air, the last of my sedative wore off. Along with the clear thinking came deep, thudding waves of pain. But as long as my mind was clear, I felt I could handle anything. Well, 
almost. In the distance, I heard a horse whinny and the sound of hooves banging on wood. It sounded like Sally Blue. Maybe that meant John had exited the barn and was heading this way. If he had done so without giving Sally a pat, she would whinny and stomp. Or did Sally know what was happening here? Adam didn't seem to hear the noise. Away from the house, it was much darker, and I knew any chance of John seeing us was gone. With plan A down the tubes, I was doing double duty, battening down my fear of the dark while also scrambling to come up with a viable plan B. Billows of fog rolled heavily over Colonel Sam's mansion, where a single light shone in the hall. Beyond the house, I could hear the waves of Cumberland River as they slapped against the steep rocky bank. The fog thinned here and there, revealing windswept trees and angry leafless branches. Listen, I said, I'm not so sure this is a good idea, Adam. I just got out of the hospital and I'm not feeling all that well. Maybe I should go home. Hank whined his assent, but Adam didn't bother to reply. The air was full of the smell and taste of dampness of the river. The only sound beside the waves was the high gusty whine of the wind and the irregular splattering of rain as it hit the ground. I stiffened as we turned away from Fairbanks' massive stone steps and headed behind the house towards the river. Adam still guided me gently, but his grip around my waist was much tighter. We stopped at the top of the wooden riverbank and a wave of wooziness swept through me. Adam sensed my faintness and pulled me to him. It was almost as if we were back in the parking lot of the nursing home, embracing each other for the ordeal to come. Only then, Adam was not going to kill me. Is there a reason why you and I are standing here freezing to death and getting soaked? I asked as I jerked away. I couldn't believe myself. Here I am waiting to get killed and I'm pissing the guy off. I wanted you to see the river, he said quietly, so quietly that I had to strain to hear his words. During much of the Civil War, the river here was filled with boats, rafts, barges, you name it, they all passed by here. And when the river was high, big boats, ships almost, could come in and dock right here at Fairbanks. There was a warehouse just to our right, near where the Henley trailer is. It's long gone, but it was there. They'd pull the goods up the bank and store until Colonel Sam could sell it at a profit. Neither side ever bothered Colonel Sam's shipments. They knew he carried needed supplies for each army. And once in a while, though, they'd unload and leave the goods locked in a big shed on the dock. And then when the ship had left and the river had receded, Colonel Sam's slaves would bring the goods in a different way to another storage place. He must be talking about smuggling, I thought. Cat, I'm going to take you to that other storage place. I just want you to see this first. And what if I don't want to go? I asked my voice rising. What if I refuse? You won't, he said, turning me roughly and jerking Hank and me towards Fairbanks. I didn't think my arm could hurt much more than I already did, but I was wrong. It was even darker now, black clouds rolling across the dark gray of the sky, and it was difficult to see even a few feet ahead. Adam pulled a small flashlight out of his pocket. The light glowed eerily through the water-soaked night as we moved in an odd pattern of disjointedness towards Fairbanks' back door. I wondered if the lock was still broken, and bizarrely, I wanted once more to giggle. Maybe the last of the medication hadn't worn off, after all. Adam escorted me to the door and flung it open. For the first time since we left my house, I could see Adam's features. His face was hard, expressionless, his aqua eyes now the color of ice. And in that instant, reality set in and I knew he was going to kill me. Soon. My brain sent panic signals to my body and the now familiar shakiness began. Adam, listen, I... Suddenly he was kissing me, forcing his tongue down my throat. His hands were everywhere all at once, pulling at me, pleading, kneading. I resisted the impulse to gag and tried to get in a good deep breath. I managed to, sort of. Then suddenly he stopped. I love you, cat, he said in a ragged voice. I knew it the first time I laid eyes on you. He reached up to gently wipe a tear from my face, and that was the first I knew I was crying. Just remember, he said, whatever happens, 
I'm doing it out of love. Then he gave me a hard shove and sent me sprawling butt first on the Glenda's hard, very hard, very brick kitchen floor.